Hello, hello. Testing one, two, three. Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Believe in Bama, episode one. We're kicking things off during a big week for Bama Faithful. I will say that my name is Olivia Whitmire, and I'm going to be one of the hosts of this show. I'll be joined in the very near future by a former Tide player. So I am really looking forward to that. Looking forward to him joining me and talking some Alabama football and just some Alabama athletics with me each week. But since this is the inaugural episode, I just wanted to give some quick background info to try and have y'all get to know me a little bit better through a microphone and all of that. I know that's a little bit difficult, but we're going to try our best here. Again, my name is Olivia Whitmire. I was born in Texas, but mostly raised for most of my life in the suburbs of Atlanta. So I am an Atlanta sports fan, unfortunately, for some of the time. Sometimes I have joy. Sometimes all I know is pain. We move on. Um, and I have always loved watching teams around the SEC since that's really kind of what I grew up around. And, you know, everyone I went to school with, all their family and friends were Georgia fans or a lot were Alabama, Auburn and all of that. So I've always loved the SEC and all of those schools and paying attention to SEC football specifically. Now, most of my family also from Texas, a great deal of them graduated from the University of Texas in Austin. So I grew up a Horns fan, but now I say roll tide roll all day long. If Texas is not playing Alabama, I will wish them well and all of that. But I am a Bama girl. You know, growing up, I knew I wanted to get into broadcast journalism. So that made my college search a lot easier knowing what I wanted to do. And that dream led me to the University of Alabama. And I graduated from UA back in the spring of 2018. And ever since then, I've been working in Huntsville, Alabama for a local TV station, WHNT News 19. I worked in news for a bit. Then I transitioned into sports a few months into my time here. And this past May, I took over as sports director at WHNT. So my job, uh, I would say, is pretty awesome. I get to cover my alma mater as well as other SEC sports in general and all of our other sports content here in the Tennessee Valley. So it's an absolute blast. And obviously, you know, I get to go down to Tuscaloosa and see my college team, the team that I cheer for play on a pretty regular basis. So that is really awesome and has been a great opportunity for me early on in my career. And now I'm getting to talk about Alabama here on this podcast. Believe in Bama is just going to be a fun time talking about the good, bad, and ugly of Alabama football. We're going to talk news. We're going to get into some analysis of Bama ball and all of that, as well as some other tied teams and just the news coming out of Tuscaloosa revolving around Alabama athletics. So if you roll with the tide, then you can roll with us here on this show. I promise. Again, I'm not going to be alone. I will have a former Bama player joining me very soon. But we had to talk about this top 10 matchup we're going to see for the third Saturday in October between Alabama and Tennessee. So I brought in my friend and Bama football extraordinaire, Drew DeArmond. He works for 97.7, one of the radio shows here in Huntsville. He's been covering Bama for years, and he was kind enough to join me as I kickstart my podcast journey. So a huge shout out to Drew. All righty we're gonna talk some bama football which is one of drew diarman's favorite things to do um hello drew thank you so much for hanging out with me 
today as we get ready for what I'm sure is going to be a crazy weekend of Alabama football. How you doing? How you feeling? Have you taken some deep breaths after the Texas A&M game? Yeah, I mean, it was a close call for Alabama, just like Texas earlier in the year, uh, certainly. Uh, not nearly as, uh, I guess, low, as broad, low blood pressure moment as it was for Arkansas that game. Got a little hairy in the third quarter, but it was all Bama in the fourth. Uh, you know, the Tide fans could relax a little bit in Fayetteville. Not really the case, uh, you know, in uh, Brian Denny Stadium on Saturday. Once again, they got the B-plus to A game from Texas A&M. Alabama, I thought, played maybe their C game. Part of that was not having their quarterback and having to uh, play, you know, Jalen Milrow in his first start after he got about two and a half quarters of action the week before. Uh, and, of course, A&M's got a really good defensive front, a lot of great young talent there. Uh, and Alabama, you know, they're used to it under Nick Saban. You know, Olivia, you've covered them now for many years. Uh, they get everybody's Super Bowl effort. And so they did once again inside of uh, Bryant-Denny Stadium. And for the, I think, uh, really the second time in during the, this 5-0 and start, or now 6-0, and I should say, uh, Alabama had a gut check moment. There's usually two, three, or four of those. Alabama's had one against Texas. They've had uh, a, a moment against Arkansas where they had to step up going into the fourth quarter, and then they've had the one against A&M. They, you know, it hasn't always been pretty this year, but certainly they're 6-0. and They have nothing to apologize for, but again, need to get more consistent, and I think what everybody learned last week is quarterback is the most critical position in football in the SEC. Auburn is struggling. They've had injuries at the position. They've had a season-ending injury where they never really got a chance to see Zach Calzada, who beat Alabama a year ago. It's affected their team and their program. Uh, you know, in Alabama, for the first time without Bryce Young for an extended period, even Alabama, as talented as they are, despite the fact uh, that they are still undefeated. It hasn't been easy. And so, and even Texas A&M, they were without, uh, you know, Max Johnson, who had become their starter. Uh, we saw what happened with Kentucky without Will Levis. They lose at home to South Carolina. Quarterback has become the it position in the game. If you don't have your starting QB, anyone is vulnerable. And we see Alabama's no different. I think I was talking with a lady actually after the game too. I was scrambling for my live shot after the game and everything. And I said something, uh, she overheard me. I was like, to my photographer, Josh, I was like, if I saw one more of those boys drop that football, I was going to lose my mind. And so she overheard me. And so we kind of started having a conversation and her and her husband, you know, they said, you know, I, I hate to say it, but clearly having the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback helps you and it's like you you can't even apologize for wanting to see Bryce Young out on the field you know Bryce and all of the guys on the Alabama team they have that the Alabama mentality they have that Saban mentality where they'll be the first to say you know it's not about them and it's a team effort and you know it takes more than one guy but when that one guy is as sensational as Bryce Young has been, especially all of last season, obviously winning the Heisman and up until, you know, he went out in the Arkansas game this season. And we've seen some incredible things from him thus far this year. You know, it's, it's hard to say whether that Texas A&M game still would have been close, I think with Bryce Young playing versus Jalen Milrow. And like you said, you know, it's his first start. He only had a little and he had more experience in the Arkansas game obviously than he would have if Bryce didn't not play at all so I think that Arkansas experience was helpful 
a little bit, but I remember I said we were a bunch of us were talking during the game on Saturday, and I said something that you know Saban reiterated. I believe it was on Monday in his press conference, saying you know he played with a little bit of anxiety. You know how do you how do you not when you're the guy who's stepping up and replacing for at least the time being replacing the Heisman winning quarterback. Your team is undefeated, and there's so much noise surrounding this Texas A&M game aside from you know the week leading up to it everyone wondering if Bryce was going to play with all the Nick and Saban or Nick and Saban hello Saban and Jimbo drama that happened during the offseason um there and the upset from last season in College Station there was just so much you know as Nick Saban likes to say outside noise and outside factors going into that game where it's like if you're Milrow how, how are you not a little nervous? How are you not a little anxious? And maybe not playing your best football. Is that, you know, the best thing? No, because in the SEC, you've got to play your best football each and every week, especially when you are Alabama or, if, you know, this season, you're Georgia and you're the defending national champion. Everyone is going to give you their best game because they want to say, you know, I took down the defending national champions. I ruined Alabama's undefeated record. You're always going to get that best game from them. So is it the best time to play not your best game? No, certainly not. But I think there was a lot that, you know, offense, defense, special teams, everyone in the Alabama locker room can learn and take from that Texas A&M game and hopefully take that and improve and hopefully not have one of those scares on the road this week. Well, yeah, I, I don't think there's any question. I mean, certainly I thought I agree with you. I thought Jalen played with some anxiety. Um, if he had protected the ball a little bit better, you know, the two fumbles, um, you know, I think Alabama wins comfortably. I don't know that they cover because I thought that 24 points was a big number anyway, mm -hmm. uh, especially considering you're more than likely. I, I, and I felt like early in the week I had good sources. Uh, I was asked, you know, if I had a dollar for every time I was asked, you know, I would, I would be rich. <laughs> right. We might not be on this cop podcast. Yeah, exactly. We but, wouldn't uh, have to be working. Know, right. I mean, but I gave it a 25% or less chance that he would start. Um, I will say I, I heard from very, very good uh, sources that he took most of the good on good on Wednesday and Thursday, which I found very interesting. He didn't throw Monday or Tuesday, uh, but he amped up his workload. And then Jalen Milrow, who great kid, first time we've ever heard from him, uh, was with us in the media room uh, to wrap things up on Saturday night, said he didn't get the word until Saturday morning mm -hmm. uh, that he was going to take the first snap. So there you go. I mean, you know, I mean, if you didn't know, you know, you until Saturday morning, then, of course, there's going to be some anxiety. He got reps during the week, but so did Bryce. And so, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the thing is with Jalen, he's a different style quarterback is what I tried to tell people who they always the backup quarterback is always the most fascinating position because everybody always wants to know, OK, who's the future guy? Mm -hmm. uh, what kind of player is he? And Jalen, honestly, and I've been blessed to, to watch and cover Nick Saban throughout his entire tenure in Tuscaloosa, which is now year 16. This is the best athlete he's ever had, but he's also very raw, mm -hmm. uh, even much more so than Jalen Hurts, who, uh, you know, who, who played for his father in high school, uh, didn't play in his pro style system either, but I think he was a little more polished coming out. This dude, uh, Jalen Milrow, is actually a better athlete, though, He's a guy that's probably among the top three fastest players on the team. 
He's built like a linebacker. You saw him Saturday, six foot two, 220 pounds. He's massive. <laughs> yeah, he really is. He's a stout guy. Uh, and I thought uh, Bill O'Brien, and look, he's received a lot of criticism. I'm actually a Bill O'Brien guy, but I thought Saturday there was a handful of times that I thought maybe they should have done some different things offensively, uh, run the zone read a little bit more, uh, more RPOs, because we saw him throw an RPO TD to uh, – Jermaine Burton down the middle, which was a really nice throw that he ripped. And then uh, a nice look off of the uh, to the tight end, too, on third down to Camla, too, on a third and 10. And I have seen, been blessed to see Milrow in practice and in some scrimmages, and it was kind of the same pattern. He'll make five or six throws where you're like, wow, okay, mm -hmm. this kid has got some tools. And then he'll make 13 or 14 where your uh, anxiety level is, I need a drink. So that's basically <laughs> – but he's also a young quarterback, and I thought that there was a couple of times where he didn't utilize his best tool, and his best tool is his legs mm -hmm. because he's so fast. On those two strip sack fumbles, the O-line did a nice job. They gave him a pocket. I felt like he should have taken off both times, similar to what we saw with Jalen Hurts early in his career at Alabama but until Jalen got more comfortable reading defenses because, you know, looking at Milrow, Jalen's main issue at Alabama was – his head would stop. He would go through one read. If Calvin Ridley or, or so wasn't open, whoever the first read was, he would take off. It worked a lot, but it eventually caught up to him because he didn't progress. Milrow was actually, and this goes back to your point about anxiety, he was going trying to go through his reads, but he would stay on the first one a while, try to get to the second, and by the time he got to the second, he's about to get hit. So I just thought, okay, you should have just taken off, man, because, again – that's his strength as a player. Bryce Young is slithery and mobile, but he keeps his head up. He's a more polished passer than Jalen Milrow. And I just sort of felt like at times he didn't trust his legs and that Bill O'Brien didn't do enough to help him out. And it was almost like, and this goes back to what I'm, what I'm saying about he didn't know till Saturday morning and Bryce got a lot of reps, that the game plan was almost for a Bryce Young instead of a Jalen Milrow, which is not all on him. And even I will say this, too, the interception Milrow threw, I didn't get all concerned about that. It was third and long. It's like a punt. He threw it deep. Hey, you know what I'm saying? If you get it, if you complete it, first down. If you draw the flag, first down. If it's intercepted, let the defense go out there and play. It's not the end of the world. What hurt Alabama was the three fumbles, Olivia. The three fumbles really kept A&M in the game and really gave them short fields, and that was the way they were able to stay in it because – Alabama's defense played better than the stats say, I thought. I thought they got after the quarterback. I thought they stopped the run. A-Chain was a guy that really hurt Alabama a year ago when they won 41-38, and they held him, except for one 15-yard burst, to about two yards per carry. And then Will Anderson had eight, eight pressures, which you know is nearly the school record. Uh, the school record is nine by some dude named Derek Thomas, who was pretty good. So I thought you know Alabama did their job defensively, and they didn't have any uh, gaffes as far as in coverage or in the punting game. I thought James Burnett was underrated. I thought he did a great job punting. But they had an uncharacteristically bad game from Will Reichert, and that's what heightened it and gave A&M a chance to win the game. But, you know, as Chris Stewart so aptly put it in his broadcast, the last call of the game, they don't tell you at the end of the season how. It's just what the, what's, what's on the scoreboard. Alabama won the game. Jalen Milrow got a win. And now at least Alabama has a semblance of experience for their backup quarterback. But I'll tell you this on your podcast, and it's great to be with you on the inaugural episode, by the way. 
I think Alabama has to have number nine behind center to win in Knoxville. And I know we're about to talk about that because mm-hmm. this Tennessee team is as hot as any team in the country. And to me, Alabama's got to score 35 to 45 points to win this game. Because, And I'm, I'm just not sure Milrow is ready to direct that type of attack in Knoxville. Yeah. Before we even jump to Tennessee, I have to stand up for Will Reichard because I will take no Will Reichard slander from anyone. I will accept none of it. You know, we're all on the sidelines shooting the game and we're like, what is happening? Like that is just, and you know, to the point where it's like, he misses two field goals. Well, you know, if he makes those two field goals, that game's not as close as it is. You know, that final drive from A&M doesn't matter if they're up by six. However, kickers are people too. If we have learned nothing from this entire college football season, part of the NFL season thus far, you know, kickers are people too. And that is all I will say. I will take no Will Reichard slander because when I was at Alabama, I had that anxiety. I had that kicker anxiety. Okay. So the people who are currently <laughs> cheering for Alabama, like if I heard anything from the student section negative about Will Reichard, I will yell because y'all have no idea what it is like to be nervous about <laughs> a kick. Cause normally, I mean, he's got a, a foot of gold, a leg of gold. So normally he is totally good. So y'all don't know what it is like to be nervous about the Alabama field goal. So Will Reichard, I am a Will Reichard stan, and I will support him through and through. Oh, I agree completely. I know his grandfather really well. I was actually more just stunned that he missed the 35-yarder. 47-yarder, I can accept. I mean, 53 yards the week before. I mean, and that was just wide. I mean, I was just – I thought, was there a snap problem? I just Mm -hmm. had assumed it was automatic because it was 35 yards. And he's – and just like against Texas, I had no anxiety – when Done. Bryce Young did the Houdini act and got him in field goal range, I was like, and even when they called the timeout, he had to re-kick it. I was like, doesn't matter. Doesn't this matter. It's going to be automatic. So, but I, I think Will will bounce back. I mean, I watched him at Hoover High School. He missed some kicks there. He gets unbelievable elevation. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be a, a drafted uh, this year and be uh, in the NFL a long time. And it'll be amazing because Nick Saban, and has during his 16 years now at Alabama had a player at every position drafted in the National Football League except place kicker. And I think he even got a punter. People forget mm, J.K. Yes. Scott, who's still in the league. He was drafted. Uh, a fullback, Nudie Fowler, Jouston Fowler. So he's had everybody drafted except for a kicker. I think Will will break that streak. And, uh, you know, I was asked on Twitter earlier this year, you know, is, is this the first time that Alabama fans have not been nervous about a kick, a place kicker. I said, well, you might say Lee Tiff in his senior year, but honestly, he had issues earlier. I would have to go all the way back to the Van Tiff and Philip Doyle days as right. far as how good Will Reichert is. And so, and, and, and ironically, neither one of those guys kicked in the NFL, but I think Will Reichert will. And, you know, I had uh, Chris Saylor on my, on my show when Will Reichert committed to Alabama, and he told me straight up, he said, Will Reichert is so good in high school, I think he could go to an NFL camp and have a chance to make a team. And he said, that's how good his leg is. And so, Will's had a great career. He's going to help Alabama win a lot of games. Mm-hmm. And certainly, I think he's going to bounce back and be and be good to go. And I'd certainly – they're certainly going to need him in uh, Knoxville on Saturday because this I, – I you know, if Alabama plays their A game, I don't think, Olivia, that it's going to come down to the last possession. Mm-hmm. But if it does, you need a guy like Will Reichert uh, to, to be able to take care of business. 
So Alabama getting ready now for arguably their toughest challenge of the season, Tennessee. And I've said all week long, or for the past few weeks, actually, I feel like I'm just in a fever dream of some sort with Tennessee being this good in football. And I mean, no disrespect to any Tennessee fans, anything with the Tennessee program, because any Tennessee fan out there will understand that my thought is justified. You know, I went to tennis or I went to Alabama, excuse me, from 2014 to 2018, no issues with Tennessee there, you know, since, since I've been paying attention to Alabama football closely, no issues with Tennessee and just watching the SEC as a whole. You know, they just have not been that team to beat year in and year out. For Alabama, it's an incredible rivalry between the two. So, of course, you always want to get that win, but it's never necessarily been a concern. Now, Alabama is not only gearing up for a top 10 rivalry matchup, but it's on the road which we've already seen so far this year has not necessarily been Alabama's strong suit. Of course, the scare against Texas escaping Austin with that win, the moment against Arkansas that, you know, proved to be better in Alabama's favor and everything like that. But Neyland Stadium, to say that that place, my like, I feel like I can already feel my heart beating right. with knowing how loud and rambunctious and just chaotic Neyland Stadium is going to be on Saturday because this is going to be an extremely hostile environment for Alabama. I know they said, I think they said they were doing an, an all orange out. So are we not going to see the white and orange checker? Like I was a little looking forward to that. I'll be honest, but like, I'm going to be on the sidelines in Neyland on Saturday and I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be taking it in. I feel like I'm already just feeling how loud I'm feeling that energy. And, you know, we're days away from kickoff. I mean, I just think it is going to be absolutely insane. College game day coming back to Knoxville. Tennessee fans, of course, wanting a win over Alabama for the first time since 2006. You know, how I'm not good at math, but the kids who are at Tennessee right now, like the kids who are going to be at the student section, they were some of them were like two or three years old the last time out so they probably weren't even necessarily Tennessee fans they might not have any connection to Tennessee you know until they go to college there so these kids have and you know a lot of the fans so maybe you haven't been a Tennessee fan your entire life and you only have been the past 15 years well you've never seen a win against Alabama I just think it's going to be absolutely insane and to your point that you've already said and I know everyone's saying it Alabama has got to play their best game of the season and I am hoping and praying that Bryce Young is okay to make that start on Saturday because I think they do really need him to be able to jump out and jump out early on that Tennessee team because we've seen you know Hendon Hooker and the rest of the Tennessee offense they're not they're not slowing down for anyone. Of course, Alabama's defense, an incredible group, and they hopefully will be able to do a lot against Tennessee. But I think what it's going to come down to, I think it's going to come down to whose offense is going to score more. I think it's, you know, can Alabama stop Tennessee? Yes, that's important. But I don't think they're going to stop them the whole game. You know, we've just seen so much incredible talent from Hendon Hooker and that Tennessee offense and a fast tempoed offense, you know, like I need our defense. I need them drinking water all week. I need them going to bed at eight o'clock. I need, I need them well rested and ready to go because 
of how fast that tempo offense is that they've got going with Josh Heifel and the balls up at Knoxville. So I think it's just going to come down to the offenses and who exactly can do what. And when you're Tennessee and you've got that home field advantage that I know that they're going to have on Saturday, again, I'm nervous. <laughs> like I, I'm feeling the energy already and I'm sitting in Huntsville, Alabama, not even anywhere close to Knoxville right now. Well, NBA, you know, I won't be there uh, at Neyland. My program director, Steve Moulton, will. I know you'll be taking it in. Um, I just think there's some factors that need to go Alabama's way if they're going to get the win now. And, I, and, I, and I'll say it, I'll reiterate, uh, if, if, if for whatever reason there's a setback and Bryce Young can't play, I don't like Alabama's chances. Uh, no disrespect to, you know, Jalen Milrow, but I just don't know that he's ready to win uh, in Neyland Stadium right now. I think Alabama could score, but they – as I've told you earlier in the podcast, Olivia, they need 35 to 45. I'm not sure. I know he led them to 35 against Arkansas, and Arkansas's defense is not very good. And I don't think Tennessee's is great. I think <laughs> in some ways it's a lot very similar to the Razorbacks. But what isn't similar is this offense for Tennessee. And Tennessee has as good a receiver core as there is in the SEC. And even without Cedric Tillman the last couple of weeks with the high ankle sprain, the the tightrope surgery that Tua Tagovailoa had on, and Jalen Hurts both during their careers at Alabama, you know, they've still been very productive. Jalen Hyatt's been tremendous uh, in the slot. Brew McCoy, the USC transfer, seven for 140 last week. And then they've been able to run the ball better uh, than they did a year ago. Jabari Small, uh, Jalen Wright, they're both two nice running backs for Tennessee. So, to me, the Alabama, first of all, they need Bryce Young. And they need to protect him offensively. Uh, they need and they need to win the turnover battle because if they have four like they did last week, no shot because mm-hmm. this Tennessee team averages you know nearly fifty points per game. So if you give them extra possessions, it, it's going to be a death blow. And then I think Alabama needs to you know get five or six stops in the game, uh, and one of those maybe being a turnover or even two. Uh, I and you know I watched some of the LSU Tennessee game and. Once again, Hooker did not throw any interceptions. His turnover rate is staggering since he became the quarterback. But he did have a couple of fumbles that very easily could have been turnovers. But LSU couldn't take advantage. Alabama must. And they one of his interceptions in his career at Tennessee, I think he's had three, um, was against Alabama last year. So if you get one or two turnovers against them, that's like getting three or four. Mm-hmm. So Alabama needs to steal a possession or two, uh, win the turnover battle, as I said, protect Bryce. And they got to stop the run. They got to make Tennessee one dimensional. They've been very good against the run all year. No question about that. And I think Alabama, you know, has to pressure the quarterback. They've got to make Kendon Hooker move. I know he's mobile, but they have to give move him off his spot. It's going to be tougher to sub because of the up tempo. So it'll be interesting to see how much time Chris Braswell gets on the field because that cheetah package really hurt Texas A&M uh, when they'd have him and Will Anderson on the same side. And you would see uh, Dallas Turner and Dallas had his second straight outstanding game. So their base package is going to interest me, how they decide to attack the Tennessee offensive line. And I will say, too, Tennessee is improved defensively. But their rushing defense, which is highly rated, is a little bit misleading. And what I mean by that is they played Akron and Bowling Green and then an LSU team that doesn't run it very well. They're not very good up front. The two teams that were pretty decent up front, Pitt and Florida, both rushed the ball really well. And Florida, Anthony Richardson, who is not in the same zip code as Bryce Young, 
threw for 450 yards, and they had 600 yards of offense in Neyland Stadium and were throwing for the win at the end of the game. So I think that much like when I, I thought Alabama could exploit Arkansas and they did, I think they can do the same thing. And remember, Olivia, the last time we saw Bryce Young, in a little over a quarter, he had almost thrown for 200 yards against the mm-hmm. Razorbacks. And the passing game was clicking. I thought the young receivers, Isaiah Bond, Kobe Prentice, were starting to assert themselves. You know, if they hadn't been for drops, then he would have had over 200. And that's something you brought up earlier, too. And as you said, your frustration, and you were talking to that, that lady, that fellow, the, the Alabama fan after the game, they can't drop the ball against Tennessee. Mm-hmm. They've got to catch the football. They've got to finish drives. And if they do, if Alabama can do the things I just mentioned, I think they can win the game 45 to 27. That's my prediction. Uh, but again, I totally agree with you. They're not going to completely stop Tennessee. They're too potent offensively. They're going to score. But Alabama needs to play from out front. Personally, I know Nick Saban. He, he usually, I would say eh, 75-80% of the time he wins the toss, he's going to defer. Mm-hmm. I would not. Mm-hmm. I would take the football, and I would want to start fast and create doubt in the mind of Tennessee because they're going to be sky high. You're correct. I think it's going to be a crazy environment where you can't hear yourself. So the quicker you take the crowd out of the game, the better. We were we do these things. We do our keys to the game for all of these specials that we do um, at WHNT. And we did a special for the Texas A&M and the Auburn-Georgia game and everything. And my key for Alabama beating Texas A&M was – just, it was just keep rolling. I was like, you know, you know, how in Finding Nemo, they say just keep swimming. I was like, just keep rolling. I was like, you cannot give this Texas A&M team any room to breathe. You cannot, if you're up by two, you know, if you're up by two scores, go up by three. You cannot give them that opportunity. And that's unfortunately what we saw with some of those turnovers is we're giving at Texas A&M the opportunity to get back into this ball game. I think the same thing applies kind of like what you were saying with Tennessee. You cannot give them that room to see, you know, daylight. You cannot give them that room to see them winning that football game because if you give it to them, what we've seen with their offense so far this season, they're going to take it and they're going to run with it or throw with it or whatever. You know, they are going to take full advantage of that, especially with that insane crowd that is going to be backing them in Neyland Stadium. You just cannot give them any any move to breathe, any move to have any confidence that they're going to win that game. So I'm I'm right there with you. I say, if especially if Bryce Young is playing in this game on Saturday, get that offense out on the field, show Tennessee and show the Tennessee fans what you can do on offense and get them a little quieter, even for Tennessee's first possession, you know, and get Alabama's defense ready to go and that kind of stuff. So I'm right there with you. I say put Bryce Young, put the offense out there. Um, and even if Jalen is playing on Saturday, you know, I kind of think you you still just need to try your best to get after it, you know, and we don't know what he's been up to during practice this week. Um, of course, I'm sure if Jalen is to get the start on Saturday, if Bryce is unable to play, he's going to be going into that with, a fire under his butt because of what happened last week at Texas A&M. You know, he doesn't want to have Alabama fans thinking that he can't handle this, even though, of course, you got Bryce Young, this incredible quarterback who can handle it and has shown that he can, you know, 
come this time next year, Milrow is more than likely going to be that guy. So, you know, he doesn't want Alabama fans thinking he can't handle the pressure. He can't handle being on the road. So I think no matter who's starting at quarterback, I think obviously with Bryce Young, I like the chances against Tennessee a lot more, but I think either way, you know, get Jalen out there and get the offensive, you know, get the offense going and that kind of stuff, because I just think that is going to be so key against this Tennessee team for sure. No doubt. And, you know, they got to clean the kicking game up. I, I think, you know, got to have a, a solid outing from Will, continue the, the what Burnham's been able to do. Because if you remember, Olivia, part of the 23-point the comeback for Arkansas was a couple of kicking game mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the onside kick that was executed well by Arkansas – and then the snap gaff off of the up back, uh, which was to uh, which was Henry Toa Toa, uh, set Arkansas up with a four yard touchdown drive. So you just can't give Tennessee extra possessions and short fields. You got to make them drive it, and you've got to, in my opinion, play out front and put the pressure on them because nobody's really been able to do that. Pitt did it a little bit. Pitt, uh, you know, played, got up seventeen seven, was driving to get up twenty four seven, and then turned it over, which was kind of a turning point, and then. Uh, Keenan Slovis got hurt, and Tennessee was able to come back and uh, get a big 34-27 overtime win. So I just think Alabama's got to start fast, keep their foot on the gas, and then they got to they got to get after it on defense. And this will be a really good litmus test. I think this Alabama secondary, especially the corner spots, have been the biggest surprise and pleasant one. Uh, certainly, I know they got a couple of penalties late in the game on Saturday, but Brian Branch has been really good. Terry on Arnold has been really good. He held up late. This is going to be their biggest test, though, because Tennessee is going to te- going to throw the football around. You've got to tackle out in space. And as you've seen, Olivia, Hendon Hooker can throw the deep ball. They are going to test these corners. Alabama struggled a little bit against the deep ball before Quinn Evers went out against Tech with Texas. So uh, this is going to be a really interesting and fascinating matchup. And certainly it's going to be fun for you guys and fun for everyone in the media and myself. We've talked about it all week on Talking Ball and the, and the recruiting blitz, and I know you guys have talked about it already ad nauseum on 19, and it's going to be a fun atmosphere to be a part of. It's going to be one of those games that's remembered for a while, and it's, you know, the SEC is better when both these teams are good and these fan bases are energized, and mm-hmm. certainly I expect to see Neyland Stadium as excited as we've seen it probably since 2016 uh, when number one Alabama came in. Now, that game did not go very well for Tennessee, and we'll see if this one goes better, but certainly I think this Alabama team, I think they're still the best team in the SEC in my eyes over the Georgia Bulldogs right now. I think Alabama's played a more difficult schedule. Georgia's kind of come back down to earth, but now we need to see, can Bryce Young get back into the Heisman conversation? Because when you're out or when you're hurt and you know, you're not playing, people forget about you. So this is going to become a fork in the road game for this Alabama team. It would help Bryce get back into the Heisman conversation. Because uh, as I was saying, Olivia, you know, he we haven't seen him uh, for, you know, uh, over a game and a half. So, you know, out of sight, out of mind with some voters. And, you know, a lot of people uh, are jumping on Hinden Hooker's bandwagon. I'm one of them. I mean, I some people kind of looked at me like I had three heads in Atlanta for in July for SEC Media Days at the College Football Hall of Fame. But I thought that uh, Bryce and Hooker were the two best quarterbacks in the league. I really thought what Hooker did last year at Tennessee was pretty amazing. Once he took over, you remember the the turmoil when Jeremy Pruitt left, all the guys transferring. Uh, Hinden didn't even win the job to start the season. Joe Milton did. He took over, though, and stabilized them. His numbers were really outstanding. Uh, they got to a bowl game. I made the statement that 
if Tennessee got to a bowl game, that Josh Heupel should be coach of the year because of all the guys they lost. And then they got Hinton to come back. He's 24 years old, sixth-year guy. He's continued to play at a very high level. Um, I I kind of am mystified why they don't think he's an NFL prospect. I know it's the, what, the quote, unquote, the system, but I think he's an NFL player. Um, I think, and I made this statement on my show earlier this week, he is the best Tennessee quarterback since Peyton Manning. And, yes, I know that means T. Martin because T. Martin won a national championship, but he's better than T. Martin. He's more <laughs> polished. And this is going to be a huge challenge for Alabama because he did a nice job against Alabama early last year. They led 14-7 to after one quarter. Uh, you know, they were in the game 21-14 at halftime. It was 27-17 to at the end of the third before everything kind of fell apart. Uh, for Tennessee so he kept them in the game and so he's got the ability to beat Alabama they have to you know uh, you, you know get him off his spot make him uncomfortable and then Bryce needs to have the kind of game Anthony Richardson did he needs to have a huge game if Alabama's going to win he will he'll throw for 350 plus yards and three or four TDs and get himself squarely back in the, the Heisman mix I think and and he would assert himself and Alabama is the top story in the SEC. I know Georgia's unbeaten, but if they can go on the road in Neyland Stadium and win this game, then I think it sends a message to the SEC and the rest of college football that Alabama's still the king until further notice. I know they fell down two spots in the AP poll. It would mystified me a little bit. But, hey, it doesn't mean anything right now. But this game means everything. You mentioned it. Uh, it means everything to the Tennessee fan base. They're going to get Tennessee's A game, in my opinion. And so Alabama needs to play their A game. And if they do – I still think they have the better roster. Uh, I think I still think uh, the coaching staff at at Alabama with Pete Golding and B, and Bill O'Brien's outstanding. And I think Alabama can send a message to the rest of college football that you know, in the, you know until further notice, the best team in the country is in Tuscaloosa if they go out there and execute in Neyland Stadium. What could be a crazy environment and could potentially be a two meetings because I mean Georgia's looked like the best team in the East, but Tennessee will, uh, you know, it, it will have a say in it because they're going to have to go to Athens themselves later this year. And so we will see, but certainly uh, this is going to be the, I think the biggest test for Alabama thus far, but they've already been in two crazy environments in Austin and, and, and in Fayetteville. So I think that'll help this team. And I think scraping by against A&M, even though it was without Bryce should be a, a wake up call. Like, okay, you watch Tennessee on film. This team's a lot more explosive than Texas A&M. Everybody's got to do their job. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and as Coach Nick Saban always likes to say, you know, hey, you got to – everybody has to make the choices and decisions to, to, to do their job and do everything and play the right way. And that's what it's going to take. It's going to take Alabama on in all three phases, offensively, defensively, and in special teams, playing a close to error-free game, keep the penalties at five or less because you're not going to be perfect and win the turnover battle. And if they do, they'll win this game in Knoxville. I think it's super important and it's super helpful that this is not the first road game of the season. Because, you know, of course, we've seen some difficulties that the Tide has shown on the road this year. You know, with this Tennessee team, if this was the week two or week three game on the road, could be a little dicier if it's that first road matchup. But now that they have those crazy environments under their belt and they know exactly that's what they're going to get in Tennessee on Saturday. Hopefully that means they can go into it with, you know, positive minds and knowing that they've got to go out there they got to do their job. Um, Cause if they don't, 
there's a possibility that they lose this game. You know, I think all of the guys, they not only know how much the rivalry itself means, but I think they, uh, they're they all very well aware of the talent that this Tennessee team holds. And they know that if they, if they play like they played against Texas A&M, they know that they will not leave Knoxville with a win on Saturday. So I think, you know, having kind of all of that experience thus far under their belts is only going to help them a little bit on Saturday. And hopefully they can uh, continue that streak going a little bit, keeping the Alabama versus Tennessee win in Tuscaloosa for sure. Remind me, I know you said it earlier, your score prediction for Saturday. Well, you know, I'm counting on Alabama stopping the run. And that's that's one of my keys. I'm ca- I'm counting on him uh, winning the turnover battle uh, and Bryce Young playing and protecting him. Uh, no question about it. And I think also I'm uh, counting on Alabama's pass rush coming through to disrupt Tennessee some and force a turnover or two uh, and get those five or six stops I was talking about. And I just think Alabama's going to win this game 45 to 27. It's going to be a nail biter uh, going into the fourth quarter. I think Alabama will pull away the second half of the fourth quarter. Uh, it'll, it's certainly going to be exciting. It's going to be, uh, you know, maybe the biggest game of the day in college football. Uh, but I think Alabama is just a little bit too good right now if they come in locked in and focused. Now, uh, they can't have the penalties we saw, uh, you know, in, uh, in Austin, Texas, uh, and, and even in Fayetteville. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they've got to do what they did last week against A&M and cut them down. And you can't see the the uh, the, the big time gaffes like the Toa Toa personal foul, the Will Anderson personal foul. You can't give Tennessee extra downs. You can't give them extra possessions because they're they're just too potent. They're even better than Texas, and Texas I think has been the best offense Alabama has seen at least until the Quinn Ewers injury. And even Hudson Card played pretty well in that game. Mm-hmm. But Alabama, that those are the keys for Alabama to me. If they do it, if they do their job. If they, you know, and if they can play from out front and keep the pressure on Tennessee to have to match them score for score, then I think Tennessee will eventually make mistakes, and I think Alabama will pull away and get a big win. I think I'm gonna go similar to you. I think maybe it's gonna be like 35-28 going into the fourth quarter, and I could see Alabama getting that next score I could see them going up you know 42 28 and being able to hold off the Tennessee offense um at least you know having a final of 42 28 or just allowing them to get that one score and then still coming out with the win um looking forward to that Saturday game for sure I'm I'm like I'm stressed out about it and it's Wednesday I was like it's gonna be loud I'm not gonna be able you were saying it earlier I'm not gonna be able to hear myself think on the sidelines I'm just gonna be I'm not gonna be wearing any orange I can guarantee you that much (laughs) it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy it will be and again uh, I'll be following your coverage Uh, have a great week and a great time at the game Uh, definitely be watching it uh, with a friend and so we're looking forward to that we're looking forward to having full uh, coverage at 97.7 The Zone and uh, on the Blitz Sports Radio the rest of this week. And certainly it'll be a huge topic of conversation as we'll be live from Bill Penny Toyota as we are each and every Monday, three Mondays out of the month. So Scott Tyson and I will have reaction, no question about it. And we appreciate you for allowing um, us to be on with you on this maiden voyage on your podcast. And good luck going forward and uh, continued success. 
Of course, Drew. Thank you so much for joining me. I do appreciate it. And I am not going to be totally by myself next week. I'm going to have my co-host. We're going to announce that next week for episode two. But you were an incredible start to the podcast. And I'm sure we'll probably want to have you on again in the future. Because if you guys don't follow Drew, you don't know Drew, he knows his Alabama football. So if there's anything Alabama football related you want to know, there's a reason that I called him to do this with me today, for sure. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Olivia. I appreciate it. And I look forward to the podcast growing and look forward to your covers on WHNT. Thank you. Thank you so much, Drew. All right, everyone, that's a wrap on episode one. Be sure to tune in again soon to find out which former Bama player is going to be joining me on Believe in Bama. And I hope you guys enjoyed the first episode, and I hope you guys join me and join this podcast as we talk about Alabama football and Alabama athletics. But with that, I'll just give everyone a big roll tide. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.